everybody, welcome to Fresh Out the Podcast. Uh, I'm Jahananan, and I was unmuted for a second there. Uh, <laughs> I'm the Game Master Extraordinaire and Board Game Guru. It's me, it's me, Casualty CDG, or at least the disembodied voice of. Uh, I am traveling, have traveled up to New Mexico, and I've lost my body in the move, so I will not be on camera to anybody watching tonight. But to any of our usual listeners, won't even hear a difference. <laughs> I'm sure you probably just left it in a box, and you'll find it uh, when you're unpacking here soon. Uh, and I am the professional media and movie mastermind, the Funhouse, Drew Munhausen. And I'm glad to hear that there's been no no major life changes or anything since the last time we recorded. Nothing, you know, nothing unusual. <laughs> nothing's changed. Right, right, Gary. Are you, are you alluding to? Do you know something I don't know? <laughs> Damn it, Gary. I, I feel like Drew has something up his sleeve. Yeah, it seemed that seemed really sinister. Yeah, no, no. This it was a perfect segue. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of giving you like a low lob. You know, here of a pitch. What are you planning to do to destroy my life, Drew Munhausen? <laughs> I'm glad that there's an audio record of this. In case anything suspicious happens, they'll know who to look at. In case, in case you guys didn't know, Gary moved. <laughs> so. uh, yes, we're in the we're in the mid moving process. We've sold our first home, which was an emotional experience. Uh, we laughed, we cried, and then when we signed the paperwork, we realized at that moment we're now homeless. Uh, and so that took a second to hit us. But we we have a rental lined up. Uh, so we're not homeless for long, but we have a bunch of our stuff in our car. So there's this whole like, oh, no, we're homeless living out of a car. But it's it's not that bad. You know, it's actually kind of a fun. It's a fun journey. Uh, and so we're loving it, man. We're loving the scenery up here. We love the place. We love the food. We love the people. Everywhere we go, we make friends. Uh, people seem seem super likable up here. And people seem to like us. And we like them. So, uh, yeah, there's been nothing bad. We have been warned that there are predator killer coyotes. And so if you don't go outside with your dog and walk around and make sure your yard's clear, uh, then coyotes might come eat your dog. And so that's fun. But, you know, that's still something that is easily remedied by walking around first and making sure the area's clear. Um, let's just say maybe it's time to upgrade a home defense weapon, even though I'm not the, the gun type of guy. I don't want my dogs to get hurt. Yeah. Might want to get it. Uh, so I guess that's the only thing, Drew. It's it's all good. And then there's like one little asterisk that's like, has my quality of life changed? Well, maybe I have to shoot coyotes now because um, <laughs> <laughs> that's different, right? Um, and I'm not super – no one's stoked about it. No one wants to go shoot wild dogs. But I also need to protect my dog family. Yeah, and I would imagine that transitional period between old house and new living location has got to be a little bit – Stressable, but I, but I, I could also see it being fun, and it's like all just kind of part of the adventure. So yeah, the first day we uh, we drove up into the Texas Hill Country and stayed at a beautiful place where a deer came up to the property, and uh, it, it was just nice. It was a nice, peaceful night, no stress, no nothing. Uh, the second night we made a huge leg of the journey and stayed in El Paso, and I've never been to El Paso before. What a Mexican food destination! What a Tex-Mex destination! Everything in El Paso is delicious. 
It's so good. <laughs> I don't know how they're not just on like the international map. They're a culinary star. I, I just don't know what else to say about it. Uh, the sun is unbearable, and I hate how congested the city is. I would never want to live in El Paso. But if you're a foodie, you can't say that you're a f- you've done the foodie tours uh, until you st- <laughs> through Texas, right? I mean, uh, it's not like El Paso's France or New York City, but. Uh, if you're doing Texas food, you got to go to El Paso. It's got anything. It's got better than Dallas, right? Uh, of course, Austin, you get the barbecue. Houston, Literally everywhere is better than Dallas, Gary. You just got to. What I'm saying is, uh, you know, I've been to San Antonio, and San Antonio's fine, but El Paso is really a food city. Mm. It, it, it really is. Um, and then we took the journey all the way up, all the way north, uh, all day through the basically the entire state of New Mexico. Uh Snuts. And it was just, it was a great drive. Some of it was uh, barren. Well, yeah, none of it was barren nothingness. The drive through Texas was. But as soon as you crossed into New Mexico, it's just mountains, always. Left and right, as far as you can see, 360 degrees. And the further north you go, the more and more and more there become. And the, the taller they get and the more snow there is. Uh, the route that we took was just amazing. No, that sounds dope, man. I'm glad you're happy. Yeah, man, we are loving it, and the dogs love it too. They're they're learning about snow. Uh, there's about a foot of snow here that snowed like two weeks ago, but since it's not humid at all, it's just been like you know 40 degrees all the time, and so there's still a foot of snow even though it's it's a week old. <clears throat> is it like so it's wet, cool. bushy snow, or is it still hard? Um, when we got here. It was white, mushy snow, Um, but it's been an entire day and it hasn't snowed yet and the sun was out. So it kind of got a nice frosty layer over the top. So you can bust your ass, but once you get through that top layer, it's nice and soft again. But the dogs are having a fun time having come from Texas, adjusting to snow for the first time. That's really dope, man. Uh, Yeah, I saw saw the picture of the house you're playing, or you might buy. That's sick. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm happy for you. Yeah, uh, man. Good things on the horizon. This is, uh, however, this is not a travel podcast, gentlemen. This is a, a nerd news and entertainment podcast. And from what I hear, uh, recently some kind of Oscar shenanigans happened, Drew. Is, is that true? It, this is Oscar true. shenanigans. I I considered doing a emergency episode earlier this week, um, but we just had enough going on, and I thought, you know, we'll just we'll just talk about it. Um, on the podcast we are on the regular episode and so i did want to go through some of these things just because i've you know i've been doing drew's oscar minute for weeks weeks and weeks leading up to this and so naturally this is all kind of what it's what it's led up to we the oscar nominations were announced on tuesday morning um during a live stream that you know because i'm a psychopath i woke up and, <laughs> and watched it and, and and actually watch the the nominations be announced live and uh and this it's always fun because now it's official right there's all these conversations before the nominations come out about what they could be and who's nominated for the screen actors guild awards and who's nominated at the the directors guild or producers guild and all these different things and then and you there's so much speculation and now this is it you know these are the movies that we're going to be talking about for about the next 6 weeks or so until the actual oscar presentation which i believe is on march 27th uh, if i have my date correct 
I'm so, going to be uh, honest, Drew. There is something that really attracts me to this this stage of the Oscars. I like to hear the snubs, and I know it's going to be. Hopefully, you're going to have some snubs at the end for me. But I always like to hear who the hot buzz was about, and then they didn't make the cut. That's one of my favorite parts. And then I like to go watch those movies a lot of times. Yeah. So I'll uh, I'll go through some of these category by category. I'll try not to spend too much time on it because I know our audience probably isn't as interested in this as I am. But yeah, I do want to talk about this. Um, and I'll start with the biggest one. You know, I'll start with best picture. And I think of these, about nine out of 10 of them, I'm like, yep, kind of what I expected. But wow. there's one one spot that really surprised me. And I thought it was going to be one of any other three. But basically, for best picture, we have Belfast, Coda, which Coda was my number one of the year when we did our top fives. And that's um, the Apple Plus original, right? It is. And I guess I can give a little description here. Belfast is uh, directed by Kenneth Branagh, and it's the um, kind of takes place. It's like a coming of age during the Civil War, more or less in, in Belfast, Ireland. So that's that one coda is on apple tv plus streaming there uh and it's apple tv plus's original or first first time one of an, an apple tv plus original movie has been nominated for best picture so, th- so there you go and you think that it very well could win right i don't think i mean it could okay. it could um and i'll kind of get to that okay um, sorry i didn't mean to jump the gun there it is <laughs> no, with them no. numbers baby No, you're fine. Then we got Don't Look Up, which this is the Netflix movie directed by Adam McKay, starring Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence. Um, That's the satire about uh, climate change. And then we've got Dune. Mm -hmm. You know, enough said. Uh, We've got King Richard. This is the the biopic about the father of Venus and Serena Williams, uh, Richard Williams, played by Will Smith. Um, we've got Licorice Pizza, which is the newest Paul Thomas Gross. Anderson movie. We've got Nightmare Alley, uh, the newest Guillermo del Toro movie. That's, that's uh, you know a remake of the movie back from 1947, I believe, if I have the year right off the top of my head. Uh, the Power of the Dog. This is the newest Jane Campion movie that stars Benedict Cumberbatch and Kirsten Dunst and amongst others. And then and we have... Benedict Cumberbatch plays Dog the Bounty Hunter. Kirsten Dunst is the wife. Uh, she runs the bounty hunting agency. I think her name's place... Babs. She's Babs. I... It takes place in Hawaii. I would uh, see that they... one. I would, I would watch the shit out of that. Um, West Side Story, uh-huh. uh, directed by Steven Spielberg. And then lastly, Drive My Car, which Drive My Car is what? the one that surprised me the most here. Um, this is a foreign language film. I believe it is. I'm, I'm going to like end up torturing this. This is the only one of the nominations that I haven't seen um, because it just hasn't been widely available yet. It is a foreign Japanese film. So there you go. It has been praised by critics. Like it's been really. It, the critics really have been pushing this one. Like the true cinephiles, are like this is one of the best movies of the year. But it just seemed like one of those ones that the Academy 
wasn't going to push into the to the best picture race you know maybe would stay in best foreign feature um but it made it it made it into into the best picture top you know into one of the 10 nominations so yeah this is one that i'm looking forward to see but i know that a lot of the the critic community they're very pleased with this announcement but what that well, means spoiler alert i'm sure we know what's going to win best foreign film I, I, right. I mean, it seems <laughs> kind of by default, if this one made it into the Best Picture race, naturally it would win Best Foreign Feature. Those Vegas odds on that bet just dropped to a, a very terrible rate. <laughs> so so this is it. So I'll go through them really quick again because I was going through slow. So Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. And the main, the three that basically didn't make the cut that I thought one of these three would be in over uh, Drive My Car would have been The Tragedy of Macbeth, um, starring Denzel Washington, or Tick, Tick, Boom, the musical starring Andrew Garfield, directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, or I had another one that I thought would be in it, um, or Being the Ricardos, which is the the Lucille Ball biopic that's on Amazon Prime. So mm-hmm. neither none of those made the cut. Um, but so there it is. So those are the kind of the three, I guess, potential snubs of the category. But overall, I mean, the best picture lineup is kind of what we expected with one surprise. Um, I will say that you, uh, from what I remember, you weren't super hot on that being the Ricardos. And so I, I bet you're not super hurt that it's not in that top 10. No, and being the Ricardos got a lot of the acting nominations, which is still very interesting. Um, now, first off, another another snub in a category, just to go through Best Director real quick. Um, <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson's directed for Best best Director for Liquor's Pizza, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog, uh, Steven Spielberg for West Side Story, and I'm probably going to butcher this, but it's Ryusuke Hamaguchi is the director of Drive My Car, um, and he was nominated for Best Director as well. The big... Surprise here is Denny Villeneuve for Dune did not get nominated. Mm. That's probably one of the biggest snubs mm. of of all the whole total of the nominations. So Denny Villeneuve seems like a shoe in for Dune, and the fact that he wasn't nominated is pretty shocking. Um, mm, good. Maybe I, he'll make the next Dune better. <laughs> I think that that's you know maybe that's part of it. Is like yeah, this was part one. You know maybe he'll get his time during part two. Uh, but at this point, for Best Director and Best Picture, it really seems like it's Jane Campion and The Power of the Dog's race to lose, in my opinion. It, it seems like The Power of the Dog has a good shot of winning Best Picture. You know, Netflix has been trying to get in the Best Picture race for the past several ye- several years. They've gotten at least a, you know, a nomination each year, but they've never won Best Picture. And it seems like The Power of the Dog is going to be the first Netflix movie to win Best Picture. It was in my top cool. five. Cool. I really, I really loved it. Um, and yeah. Jane Campion, you know, I think she's going to get best director. I think I mentioned this before. It's just kind of a fun story of the Oscars is that, you know, back uh, in 1993 is when Schindler's List and The Piano came out, which were directed by Steven Spielberg and Jane Campion, respectively. Um, and now here we are again, you know, over, over about t- almost 20 years later and, 
Steven Spielberg and Jane Campion are both nominated again, but whereas Steven Spielberg won the the Oscar that year, it seems like Jane Campion will win it this year. So that's just kind of fun for like the the Oscar history nerds yeah. such as myself. I haven't, seen, see if, uh, I haven't seen most if of Spielberg, these. If Spielberg ends up winning that over her, that's going to be a big snub too. That'll it, that'll be one of the hot, that hot would moments be, for um, the year. It'd be pretty shocking. Um, <laughs> but I mean, what can we say? You know, Spielberg's the goat. You know, people people he, love Spielberg. <laughs> uh, I mean, he he crushes it. He's definitely you know very relevant in our pop culture. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm excited. I I've never heard of Drive My Car. I will definitely be checking that out uh, at some point. All I know is that it's three hours long, and that it's Oof. and that um, it's kind of a slow burn, but that it's really good. That's literally all I know. I I'm, don't even. I'm know in it for. I'm in it for the foreign movies, man. I want to see more. I want to see more in uh, the Oscar race. So I, you know, I gotta go support them. Because when uh, Bong Joon Ho won, uh, that that shit was a, a, a revelation, man. Like it was crazy. It was so and crazy. And I think that's a good point you bring up because it seems like Bong Joon Ho and and Parasite, the way that Parasite, you know, obviously had some big wins at the Oscars mm. previously. I feel like Parasite's kind of opened the doors for more movies like that. Or yeah, to to get in this race. And so I think that Drive My Car kind of owes some of its success to something like parasite now now that could be another factor too um a big thing which not to get too much into the to the politics of of the oscars but it's worth noting you know ever since the the oscars have been they used to be the super bowl level watched thing and that's just not the case anymore and they've been doing what they can to you know to try to do more mass appeal and then obviously they got a lot of backlash a few years ago when the oscars so white um you know when that happened and so they have been expanding their membership of the academy by a lot um i think that they've added they used to have you know around six thousand members and i think they've added over three thousand members and a lot of those members are younger, younger people and people of color. Yeah. Um, so it's not the same exclusive club of like older white men. And so I think that that has also changed a lot of the ways the Academy votes and has allowed, you know, more films like this to yeah, that's fantastic. Like be recognized because um, it's just not the same voting body that it once was. Progress. So I think that's. That's worth noting. Um, speaking about old white men, <laughs> do you know what Steven Spielberg's next movie is? Have I talked about this at all? Some Country for Old White Men? It's E.T. 2. <laughs> he is making a movie called The Fablemans, okay. and it is a autobiographical coming-of-age movie that he's directing. So it's about his own life. Uh, Man, that doesn't sound like a fart-sniffing fart-sniffer if I've ever fart-sniffed one. <laughs> That's quite a... Uh, I, what Gary said. <laughs> and it stars like some people. I think that Seth Rogen plays his uncle. Uh, Michelle Williams <laughs> plays his mom. Uh, Paul Dano plays the dad. So like right there, I'm like, okay, you've got me. You've got me interested. Look, I'm going to see it. It does, doesn't mean it's not a fart sniffing fart sniffer. <laughs> 
Uh, before I dwell on this too long, let me get into these other... I'm not going to go through all the categories, obviously. obviously. I, yeah. But I do want to hit the acting categories uh, really quick. Best actress, we've got Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos, and Kristen Stewart for Spencer, which... Kristen Stewart was, interestingly enough, early on in the awards race, like before any nominations came out for any of them, Kristen Stewart seemed kind of like the front runner to win the Oscar this year. But then she didn't get the Screen Actors Guild Award, which was like a cr- kind of a crazy occurrence. And um, But she still made it into the Oscars here. So she's nominated for the Oscar, even though she didn't get nominated for the Screen Actors Guild Award, but it does seem like her chances of winning the Oscar have decreased significantly because of that hit. Um, The surprises here... I know one of them is that uh, 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 Lady Gaga, that's a big one. She did not get nominated. A lot of people thought she would for... uh, House of Gucci, and also Jennifer Hudson for mm. Respect, the Aretha Franklin biopic. She did not get nominated after getting the SAG nomination. So those are kind of the the interesting switcheroos there. Yeah, um, interesting. For, for Best Actor, we have Javier Bardem for being the Ricardos, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch for The Power of the Dog, mm. Andrew Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom, mm. Andrew Garfield, man, having himself a year. What can we say? <laughs> He's having a good year, man. Yeah, not even that, Drew, but Marvel's having a year. Those are two huge Marvel movie names this year. Oh, yeah, uh, the big that's... Andrew Garfield, yeah. Hey, Doctor Strange yeah, and Spider-Man, Spider-Man right there. And... <laughs> Doctor Oscar Strange nominated. and Spider-Man are Oscar-nominated actors. Holy shit, what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive, indeed. Um, Will Smith for King Richard. Hell yes. And... Denzel Washington for the tragedy of me. Hell yes. Double pretty, hell yes. Pretty solid category. The one there that um, I'm maybe not as as happy about being there is Javier Bardem. I just, I love Javier Bardem. I think yeah. he's a great actor. I did not think he was very good in being the Ricardos. Mm. But again, as you pointed out already, just a lot of negativity for me with that movie in general. So, you know, I'm never going to be that high on it. Uh, I would have maybe preferred for Leonardo DiCaprio to be in over him um, for Don't Look Up. <laughs> that, he, was, he was good that movie, yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, so right now, Best Actor, I mean, it's it has seemed like it's, it's Will Smith's to win this year, but, you know, we all said that last year for Chadwick Boseman, thinking that he was going to win the Oscar after his um, tragic passing. Yeah. And, uh, and then Anthony Hopkins won. So, I mean, you never know, but it seems like it's going to be Will Smith this year, but it seems like if anybody does end up winning over him, I think it would be Benedict Cumberbatch this year. So it'll be interesting and to you're see. Really high on, uh, you're really high on Power of the Dog, huh? I'm, I really liked The Power of the Dog. It sounds good, man. I, I mean, it's on Netflix. I got to check it out. Um, and I'm just excited for... Uh, a Netflix movie to potentially win some Oscars here, man. Because uh, that's that can change a lot of stuff. That can change the industry, yeah. For sure. Um, and, and with here's the thing I'll say about the power of the dog. 
um, and about Jane Campion movies in general, because I've been watching a lot of her films recently because she's just somebody that I hadn't seen most of her movies. And I talked about that some last week and it kind of ended up turning into a conversation about dongs and movies. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. The main thing with Jane Campion is that she will direct a movie that seems when it starts out, you're like, okay, like I see where this is going. And it's about relationships that turn out to be way more complex relationships than you think. And usually the story never goes where you think. Like, you you think you have a handle on it, and then she kind of pulls out the rug from under you. Like, and M. sometimes Night. it's... Mm, no. <laughs> um, typically more of a slow burn in the process, which I've been using that term a lot. But again, I don't think slow burn's a negative term, because I, I like a lot of slow burn movies. But it's worth noting... Uh, so that you kind of know what you're getting yourself into. But yeah, man, Power of the Dog, good stuff. Orf. Which will be mentioned in the next couple of categories as well. It's just a spoiler alert. So um, <laughs> best supporting actress, we've got Jesse Buckley for The Lost Daughter, Ariana DeBose for West Side Story, Judy Dench for Belfast, Kirsten Dunst for The Power of the Dog, and Anjanou Ellis for King Richard. Uh, so that's right now. If I had to pick a winner of those that I think is going to win, it seems like it's going to be Ariana DeBose for West Side Story um, playing Anita, which famously Rita Moreno won the Academy Award for playing the same role in the 67 version of the <laughs> film. So, you know, kind of a very famous role. The person, let's see if there's anybody left out here. Um, the big one is, is Katrina Balf, who is in Belfast and she's been in all the awards conversation leading up to this and then was excluded here. And instead, Judy Dench, who's already won an Oscar, you know, and has only a few minutes of screen time in Belfast, got nominated over her. So that's kind of the big shocker for that category. And then finally, best supporting actor, we've got Kieran Hines for Belfast Troy Coetzer for Coda, Jesse Plemons for The Power of the Dog, Cody Smith McPhee for The Power of the Dog, and J.K. Simmons for Being the Ricardos. So yeah. um, we've got two of the actors from Power of the Dog here. Jesse Plemons, who has not really been nominated in a lot of the other um, awards shows, did make it in here. So that was kind of a pleasant surprise. I like Jesse Plemons a lot, and he's he's good in The Power of the Dog. But Cody Smith McPhee has a more powerful role in The Power of the Dog, and it seems like it's his award to win this year. The big snubs here are Bradley Cooper for Licorice Pizza. Who mm. He's got a pretty small role in Licorice Pizza, but it's a very memorable role. And, you know, he's just... Bradley Cooper rules. He's got a huge presence in it, and he's very good. And then Jared Leto for... Um, uh, House of Gucci, which he's been nominated <laughs> for some of the other ones. I personally am not disappointed <laughs> that he's not nominated here, but he's worth noting. So I want to talk about fart sniffing. There's your guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if I had to pick my winners in these categories, Can't wait to see I'm... how much of a train wreck that vampire movie is. Oh my god, Morbius! Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to guess Cody Smith McPhee wins supporting actor, Ariana DeBose wins best supporting actress, that Will Smith wins best actor. 
and this like pains me to say, but it almost seems like they're going to give it to Nicole Kidman for being the Ricardos, which I it just did not like her in that movie. I don't no. think it's her best performance. I would rather um, either Kristen Stewart or Olivia Coleman win it over her. So we'll see what happens there. Um, the other thing that I want to note, because this is always just kind of fun is we've got two real life couples that are nominated in these acting categories, which <laughs> has only happened a handful of times before you've got Javier Bardem and uh, Penelope Cruz who are married in real life are both nominated for best actor and best actress uh, respectively. It's kind of crazy. And, and then uh, Jesse Plemons and Kirsten Dunst have been together for several years as well. And they're both nominated in the sporting actor and actress categories. So there you go. There's your fun kind of Oscar stuff. But I don't think I have too much else to add. That was the main... I didn't realize who Jesse Plemons was. I just looked it up. (laughs) I absolutely loved the show uh, Friday Night Lights, the TV show about Texas high school football, and he's in that show. And so to me, he's still Landry from Friday Night Lights. But he's been in so many great movies. I mean, Breaking Bad, dude, he... Yeah. He was so fucking creepy uh he was he it was fantastic it was like unnerving and then uh what is it observe and report he was in that movie with seth Rogen. uh those are those are the two i could think of off the top of my head but yeah have you ever seen the movie game night no oh wow, yeah 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 yeah. he was creepy in that too he's the the the, <laughs> the neighbor cop. yeah he's fantastic in that yeah uh, He's also been working with a lot of great directors. Like, obviously, he just did this with Jane Campion, but he was also in The Irishman, which was mm-hmm. Scorsese's last movie. And he's the lead in Scorsese's upcoming movie. Um, uh, so, yeah. So, I think it'll be interesting to see because he'll be with Robert De Niro and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in that movie, which Leo actually, this is talking about killers of the flower moon leo was originally cast as the lead and then yeah. instead leo was like hey i kind of you know don't see myself as this part and wanted to play the villain role and <laughs> so uh jesse Plemons is the lead now so there you go brendan frazier will also be in that movie always got to give our guy brendan frazier a shout brandy frazier hell yeah fucking love him uh nah man that's a great we we heard it all. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you could say about this. There's a lot of cool nominations, animated stuff, the Mitchells and the Machines, blah, 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 man. There's there's a lot to get into. Uh, yeah, I feel bad that I'm not giving due time to the other categories because yeah. there's a lot of great movies that are nominated there, but I just... This isn't just Several an Oscars podcast, Netflix movies. so I'm not going yeah. to do that to y'all. No, I appreciate it, bro. Uh, but no, that was a great summation. Uh, you have... Anything else to say about the Oscars, my friend? No, no, I don't think so. Just uh, we'll see what happens. Oh, I was going to note one thing. I I messaged Gary about this uh, Mm -hmm. yesterday, but they did announce. They haven't announced who the hosts of the Oscars will be the host or hosts, but they did announce that they're going to have three different hosts that it'll switch every hour of the show um, for a different host to kind of take over and I guess help with the flow of the show. So one host for each hour which I thought was interesting. I don't know what they're going to do, but a couple predictions there would be one of the coolest things I think that would help with viewership is get Tom Holland, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. <laughs> the host. 
Um, so you get the three Spider-Men and, and Andrew's nominated in best actor. So yeah. like that's, you know, that would be fun or uh, just another kind of hot. I said a hot threesome. <laughs> another hot trio that's been um, out there a lot recently. And Gary talked about this show at length. Only murders in the building. Yeah. Could really see it being Steve Martin and Martin short and Selena Gomez. That'd be a good trio. Uh, too. So it could be, there could be some fun. They're trying to solve there. a murder behind the fucking the scenes. That'd be good. And Steve Martin's no stranger to hosting the Oscars. So yeah, yeah. I mean, could, it could be fun. Absolutely. Uh, it could be really cool. I don't know. They got to do something because Oscar is fucking boring. Uh, but hey, <laughs> it is what it is, man. All right. So before I, you know, everybody who's already stopped listening because I droned on about the Oscars too much, we can talk about the Book of Boba Fett finale a little bit here um, before we get into all of our fresh takes because I think it's kind of been the, the hot topic this week since, it, you know, it's ended we got to see where it went and um i would say before we even get into it we're we're going full spoilers off the bat uh, that, book of boba fett yeah yeah is that cool to say yeah i mean it came out long and i mean it's been out for about a week uh and you know spoiler alert we'll, we'll give you the spoiler alert that's just all we we're gonna do um yeah, the season, the series, season, season finale of Book of Boba uh, was, in a word, fantastic. It was, it was exciting. It was action packed. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are parts about the Book of Boba Fett itself that I don't particularly like. Uh, but those things aside, all in all, fantastic finale. Like it was, it was really good. Yeah. And I don't want to echo ourselves too much from the stuff we've talked about in the past few weeks, but, you know, the the show, I thought it ended great. I liked the finale. I saw a lot of people complaining on Twitter that they were disappointed with it. And I'm like, I don't know what you were expecting, but, you know, or what, you know, how high you had your Every, expectations. Everyone's going to say some shit. I was thoroughly entertained by the finale. But, no. you know, I think that the obvious thing here is that when it was a Boba Fett show, it was just okay. And then it, when it became a Mandalorian show, it got awesome. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yes, you're not wrong. No one will disagree with you. The Mandalorian, uh, people are making memes about uh, Pedro Pascal carrying the entire Star Wars franchise on his back. Um, and it's just, it's fantastic. Um He's great. The character's great. The writing's great. Uh, when I was trying, I was trying to show my mom this show because, like, she she watched the finale because she was just there. Um, she hadn't seen any of it. She had seen. She hadn't seen any of Mandalorian, Boba Fett, whatever. She was like, "If I watch it, I'll probably forget all this stuff happened, anyways. You know, no big deal." The part that made me laugh really hard <laughs> was. Uh, she was like, "Who are those people? They don't. They don't look like they belong. They look like time travelers from our world." And I think you know exactly who she's talking about, right? She's talking about the fucking mods. 
Uh, and so she's like, who are they? They don't fit in. Like, and it was hilarious. Cause like just verbatim, she's like nailing these people for like the same stuff that everyone else has been saying with no context. And then, uh, when they're riding their bikes, <laughs> she was like, what, what's up with their power ranger bikes? And I was just dying, dude. I was like, Oh my God, ma, uh, your mom watched the whole series or did she just no, catch she the only watched the last episode and she, you know, she's not on, she's not on social media, like, to the level we are. She didn't see the memes where people were making fun of this stuff. That, that was off the cuff for her when she saw them. She had the exact same reaction that we all did. Um, and obviously, you know, I mean, you can poke holes in it all you want. Uh, there was another moment where uh, the guy with the eye mod does a completely unnecessary spin before he shoots his gun. I don't know if you caught that. Um I did, and I uh, think I, I laughed at it when it happened. It Just was like, so okay. stupid. Uh, but those those aside, I mean, most of my problems with Book of Both Fit, I like the mods conceptually. I do. I feel like they were carried out in a weird, sloppy manner that doesn't make sense. But they don't ruin the show for me by any means. I am upset about the fate of the pigmen. They were... <laughs> I loved those little chubby little fuckers. Um, Man, I thought that this show was maybe going to get redemption for the Gamorrean guards in general. Like, yeah. like we were going to see them actually be cool because they're always, you know, they try to make them look imposing, but then they're always just destroyed. By they're whatever. always just shitty moves, sure yeah. Enough, in this, they just kind of walked around as armor or as, like, you know, bodyguards for Boba Fett and then just, just get wrecked. I was pretty, I was pretty upset by their whole treatment, man. Like, because, because they did, they saved the day when, uh, uh, Fennec and Boba were surrounded. They saved the fucking day. They're heroes. They made the show happen. And, like, they don't even have fucking names. You know what I mean? They don't have names. They have no distinguishing features. They got pushed off a fucking... Spoiler alert. Pushed off a cliff uh, in, like, the first part of the fight. They're the only characters that died in the first, like, initial encounter. They Like, they were just nobody. And it's just stupid. Uh, so could, there's a lot of little moments that yes. happen in this. So to... Gary! Always been a... F uh, yes! A, I was gonna... He's having some issues. Technical issues. You there, Gary? Gary called in from New Mexico. Yeah, we, Gary was kind of dropping in and out of our chat earlier for, while the conversation was going on. Jahan and I will will push it on, but we might get to hear Gary. We might, might get to hear him chime in a bit. Um I want to talk about some of the big moments, though. Yeah, um, absolutely. Let's, let's talk about the big things here. Let's first off, let's talk about Grogu himself, <laughs> otherwise known as Baby Yoda, and we see the decision that he made, yes, uh, based on his choices at the end of last episode of to pursue, you know, being training in the Jedi ways or returning to the Mandalorian. I think we all probably kind of knew that he was going to return to the Mandalorian. Yeah, that's the whole basis of the show. But I, I have to admit, I'm a little disappointed. Like, I was ready for Grogu to be Ultra Jedi Grogu. But, yes. you know, I do appreciate the bond between him and, and the Mandalorian. Yes and yes, I do not disagree with anything you said. But here are the things. I'm going to lay them out for you, Drew. So first off, when I saw the X-Wing, 
thought Luke was in it, thought Luke was going to come fuck shit up. Luke didn't fuck anything up. I was upset. Um, I was, I got very excited when I, I was like, no way, Luke fucking Skywalker is going to go fuck up these pikes. Like, fucking no I was, way. I saw the R2 unit and I saw the X-Wing. I was like, oh, that's going to be Luke's X-Wing. Okay, here we go. And yeah, and then Grogu comes out. Yeah, and like, fine. Fine, whatever. Uh, you know, and they highlight the choice he made. He's like, oh, you're wearing a little ring mail, the, the, the lady said. You know, cool. You highlight a choice. I thought for sure, for sure, that no matter what choice uh, he made, uh, well, specifically if he chose the Mandalorian, uh, I, I, I thought for sure he was going to get the lightsaber of Yoda. Like, there's like two of them in the universe. Of course you should give him Yoda's lightsaber. But fine, I'm sure he'll get it later. I was upset by that. Um, but other than that, Grogu coming back was great. Um, super cute. It started a whole conversation uh, with my mother about, like, what are they? What kind of alien is that? What's their name? Where are they from? Because, <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, she's like, are they called Yodas? Like, I don't know. It was funny. But, um, yeah. I, no no qualms with the baby Yoda showing up at all. It was great. Uh, and everything he and did was cool. Let's talk um, Cad Bane. Because that was the yeah. other big reveal at the end of <laughs> Of last episode, we're seeing Cad Bane show up, which a lot of fans of the animated Star Wars shows were, of course, very excited about. Even I knew, you know, about Cad Bane, who he was. Yeah. Um, although I'm not like the, you know, a huge. I haven't I haven't indulged in all the Star Wars animated shows. Put it that way. Yes. So, um, but still, for for him and his role in this, what what did you think? You know, I thought he was cool. Uh, so. And I think he's still alive. So I was aware of who he was. I've seen some of the animated stuff. I, I know who he was. Uh, we haven't talked about the episode before this on the show either, right? No, but, you know. We don't, don't, we don't have to get too much too into much. it. But when he showed up to Showdown with uh, Timothy Oliphant, fuck yeah, I was like, oh my god. I was losing my shit, man. It was so cool. Um, and then... Um, yeah, and when he came back, he was a badass. I think that he looked perfect. He acted perfect. He was an absolute unrepentant badass. And he was scary. Like, he was everything he needed to be. I thought it was perfect. Um, the way it ended, not a huge fan. That I don't like it when you shut a door so definitely like that, you know? But are we... Is he dead? I mean, I... Okay, maybe this is me being... A Star Wars stupid head. I don't know. But yeah. when he... When it panned over him lying there after getting basically impaled by Boba Fett's staff. You know, he yes. stabbed him in the chest. Um, he had that deal on his chest that was still beeping. Or blinking, mm -hmm. beeping. And that made me think, like, is that some sort of life support? You know, Could he's got be. all his weird tubes. Like, yeah. is there something that, that keeps him alive? Like, is he still alive? I don't know. I got the impression that maybe that beeping... <laughs> was something that was a, you know, a little Easter egg or, yeah. or, or something of the sort letting us know he he may still be. I'm a thousand percent hope. Yeah, maybe it's from the show. Maybe, like, he's hard to kill and people don't realize it. Uh, also, he was stabbed where a human's heart is. Who knows? That could be where, you know, he keeps his, like, chicken nuggets before their final digestion. You know, you, you never know with aliens uh, in the sci-fi 
that could have been nothing. He could be fine. Uh, but it did seem to me like the full-on on-screen death kind of scene and, like, from, like, a, a direction point of view. droid parts or something. Like yeah. Like, we saw with Finnick and, you know, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, it's true. She came back from a lot. Uh, and, like, I just want him to come back. He was so good. Uh, that Those are my thoughts on him. And they're doing an, an Ahsoka show, and there's some mm. other things I think that they'll be doing with some of these Star Wars series that would lend, you know, lend itself to him coming back. So, I don't know. I don't think I think that there's too many fans that were clamoring for him to make a live action appearance for it to only last basically an episode and a third. <laughs> yes, of, of, the, of yes. the show. Um, you know, but at least in the show. The show was about Boba Fett, or was supposed to be about Boba Fett, and it was Boba Fett that took him down. So I guess you know, <laughs> good for good for you, Boba Fett. Yeah, it was cool, and I liked it. Uh, he used that weapon. Uh, it was really cool that he used that weapon specifically, because I believe, because um, that weapon, I believe, is a real world weapon that uh, the actor culturally, you know, is like it's a part of his culture. And like they brought it into the Star Wars universe, and he he fin- it was cool that that was like hey this is like my weapon you know what I mean like this is where I'm strongest it was cool that like he got back to those roots on screen in a Star Wars universe. it's a cool thing to see as you know a minority watching someone else get to have that moment it's very cool uh, it's exciting you know maybe I'll get to you know. Use a Persian sword on somebody. I don't know, um, but yeah, it's just cool. It's it's progress. Like every time I see progress like that, it makes me truly happy. Uh, but yeah. So let's so uh, let's also talk about um, the rancor. I want to talk about the use of the rancor <laughs> in the show. Um, which honestly, that moment I didn't know where where Boba Fett was I going. Knew- like, exactly what he was doing the second he was like i gotta go and i was like oh he's gonna go get the rancor that's the only friend because the mandalorian uh because uh yeah the Jin was like uh we don't have any more friends and he's like i got this i knew right away and let me just say this because i know a big conversation about star wars that happened when the george lucas prequels came out Mm. was the overuse of cgi when Mm. there was so much of original star wars based in practical effects and i think the the newer uh trilogy this the sequel trilogy did more to include that and i think the shows have done that and we saw some practical stuff with the rancor but i will say this the fusion of, of practical and CG with the Rancor and the use of CG with the Rancor, I really liked mm. because I just thought it was really fun it to see great. how a Rancor can really move. And yeah, <laughs> and for a TV show, um, I thought the CG looked really good. Bro, I remember playing with like the Star Wars toys. I remember you see a Rancor for all of like five on screen minutes in the Star Wars universe. You know what I mean? If, if that. If that you see it, and then you know, and Luke takes him out, it's awesome, whatever, badass moment. Uh, but to see him do stuff was fire, it was so good. Like, I don't know, man, this show's being made by someone who truly appreciates and loves Star Wars, and it shows through every single moment. Uh, and we, we've talked about uh, the use of like nostalgia and like that kind of stuff. 
specifically Ghostbusters, which was a piece of shit. Uh, this is it done right once again. Um, this is, I don't know, it's love. You know what I mean? I feel like that's that might be the the line of fan service when you're using fan service to get paid and to make your piece of shit work that's garbage when you use it because you yourself have the respect and the love for the content i think that's really where it starts to shine i i agree i thought the fan service in this worked well but i also like where everything's set up to go that now you know it's going to be I assume that this is going to lead into a third season of the Mandalorian, a proper mm-hmm. season. Of the yes. Mandalorian, um, with obviously him and Grogu together and we'll see where they go. Like, I feel like it's open now for them to have new stories and yeah. do new things. And I, and I like that. And I'm sure they'll bring in some of the older characters or things from Mandalorian or book of Boba Fett. Like, um, Black Chrysanthemum or, you know, whoever, like, Dude, I'm sure that there's, fucking there's, love Chrysanthemum. there's room for those characters to come oh. back or make appearances, but like now we can have it set up for more new stories, which I think is exciting. You know, as much as I liked getting to see the, the holes filled in for Boba Fett and giving the fans that ultimate fan service of just him coming back and how it happened, like, great. Now we know he's yeah. at Tatooine doing his thing. Cool. Now let's see the Mandalorian go off world and do more cool stuff with his cool little Grogu at his side. Yes. Totally down to get back to that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. This, this finale had a lot. It was great. Anyone who says it wasn't great, I don't know. You know, get your eyes checked or something. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, but damn. I mean... The only thing I missed out of this finale was Danny Trejo. Mm. When the rank wars showed up, I was so like, where is my Trejo right now? That's fair. I also um, was kind of upset about that, but... Yeah, sorry about the technical difficulties. Glad to be back, and sorry I missed the entire Boba conversation. <laughs> it's all good, man. What it was good. What did you think? Yeah, go ahead and give us... I mean, you're not too late. We hadn't ended it yet. What's your... Uh... Some of the big moments, but yeah, definitely give us your overview. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I loved it. I, of course, right. I, I think the last thing I heard you guys say before I, I decided to, to change my means of conveyance uh, was that, of course, Grogu picked the armor, right? It's that's kind of the whole premise of the show, and I think I've gone on record to say that the entire show needs to be about Grogu reclaiming the dark saber and becoming the king of Mandalore, mm. and so it only makes sense that he doesn't need his own lightsaber. He doesn't need to be a yeah. Jedi. He needs to be attached to the It's funny. It's funny. Funny that you say that because uh, technically he is, you know, uh, Mandalorian found league. And that's correct. Uh, when, when he came back, I actually did kind of think like, huh, maybe he'll weed the, will the dark saber. Like that was on my mind too. And that would be fucking cause you know, Jin can't do it very well, but maybe someone with an understanding of the force could. He is an awesome, uh, you know, mercenary bounty yes. hunter Mandalorian, but he, uh, he's not a, a leader type. He's kind of quiet. Uh, he gets results. Yeah. And it'll be great to see, you know, right now, Grogu, of course, is a baby, but it'll be great to see him learn how to talk like Yoda because Luke taught him already. <laughs> he already knows that he's going to have to learn to speak in riddles. Uh, we're going to get to see it later. I'm sure they did set uh, that seed. And uh, they said that, you know, that the race of Yodel, Yodas, whatever they're called still, uh, they're force sensitive, right? So he'll always have force powers. Yes. He's already been taught the base of force powers. He'll only get stronger. So 
Uh, I think planting the seed of Jedi was enough to get everything that we want because he can maybe figure out the rest on his own. Yes, I agree. I feel like he got a lot more training than Luke had uh, when he started. You know what I mean? And he and a lot more than Ray had when she started. Yes. You know, uh, a lot of these young Jedi don't have a lot of training uh, on account of all the Jedi got slaughtered. Yeah, he had he had months with Luke fucking Skywalker. Uh, and he learned how to force jump and how to apparently rip Droidica Scorpion Giants in half with his mind powers. Because uh, that shit's cool. a huge fan of the Droidicas, uh, I actually love the drones, all the droids. I loved all the droid armies. I was so happy. I always thought it was a huge, you know, a miss that they never brought the droid tanks or some of those droid designs back into the Star Wars universe because they're so sick. Uh, and so it was really cool to see some of like you know the super armored battle droids come back in Mandalorian. Yes, and then now we get to see these big droidekas that are like super versions of the droideka. Uh, I, and I love those old things. This is this is some cool fan service to me. We get mm. the Naboo starfighter. We get the droidekas from the from the prequels. Uh, we're getting a lot of really cool things that I'm I'm all about. Yeah, and really- the first thing I could think when I saw those droidekas roll out mm. was. No wonder the Empire didn't have them because the fucking Pike Syndicate did. That's who was paying them. No. The the Empire didn't have that military contract because Pike Syndicate bought up all of those weapons and all that <laughs> manufacturing. And I don't know if any of that's true, but it made sense in my head and I thought it was so cool. Yeah, no, uh we yeah, we were just talking about uh how the show does fan service right. And I can't agree with you more about everything you said. Uh all the episode the uh all the prequel trilogy nods that have been in this have been great. Uh, Chris Anton, um, you know, I heard you guys just talking about him. Chris we Anton's barely awesome. did. I love him. I want to see more Chris Anton all the time doing everything. He almost forced his way through that forest field with his brass knucks and, like, tried <laughs> to fight that thing. That was so fucking cool. Uh, what, a, what a great... Example of a Wookiee there, man. Just such a fantastic Wookiee. He got to survive his ambush and hobble his way back, but those poor Gamorreans that went Poor Gamorreans, man. Not only did he get to survive his ambush, then he got to survive getting punted against the wall by a Droidica. So cool. I'm I'm pretty sure he almost got blown up later, and then they carried him away after that. Yes, he almost died like three or four times, and I was like, no, they're gonna kill him! I was really upset, uh... That's that Wookiee endurance right there, dog. And the last thing I have to say is uh, the mayor's assistant uh, really had some great <laughs> moments in this finale. Uh, I love that that portrayal of that character. That guy is really good. crushing it. Crushing it. Uh, but yeah, that's all I that's all I have for Book of Boba Fett, I think. Uh, I would like to mention, uh, I tried to get my mom to start watching the Mandalorian after that, and, like, when it popped up, because, like, she didn't know, like, she was like, who's that? She didn't know who Boba Fett was. She didn't know a lot of, like, the characters. But then, like, the Mandalorian starts, and it says, you know, John Favreau, and she's like, oh, he did this? He's great. I was like, why do you know him? <laughs> but, like, not all these, I don't know, it was funny. Uh, but he's fantastic. And so, yeah. That's all We're going to have to get Jahan's mom as a guest on the podcast I, sometime. She'd be to down, have her man. Just talk about her Star Wars journey. <laughs> she'd be down. Uh, my mom's cool. My mom watches, like, Peacemaker and Attack on Titan and shit, bro. Like, she's obsessed would, with Attack I'd, on Titan. 
I would love to get all of our moms on the podcast for Mother's Day and tell, like, give them our already written notes of the things they had to talk about, <laughs> whether or not they knew about them or not. <laughs> Pretty funny. Oh, gosh. Uh, all right. So that's that's the Book of Boba Fett finale. Um well, and then I know Gary, you've been in the process of moving, so we'll you know we'll move into our fresh takes for the week. But I think that you know, Gary, you, you even said bef- off the air bef- to us before the show that you know there's some things we've been watching that you've got common commentary on, but otherwise you were moving, so we know you don't have too much new. That's right. Um, my uh, my media this week was I just watched the same old things everyone else is watching, which is Boba, Peacemaker, and Vox Machina. I didn't I didn't watch anything exciting or off the, you know, out, out of my comfort zone this week that I need to share with you guys, uh, nor did I play anything exciting. Understandable. Yeah. Understandable. Well, uh, here, how about this, Jahan? I see... We've got some shows in common. Let me. I'll start with a couple movies, and then we'll transition. Sounds to that. good, that, friend. That cool. Sounds you good. Know, obviously, last week we had our whole episode devoted to Jackass, um, but I did get to see Jackass Forever, the the newest Jackass film. And uh, in the lead up to that, I finished watching the other old ones. So I watched Jackass One, Two, and Three prior to seeing uh, Jackass Forever. And let me just say this. It doesn't matter how big of a cinephile you are, or if you're watching the films of Jane Campion, or if you're watching, <laughs> you know, all these different prestige TV shows, whatever it may be. I mean, you can't not sit and watch Jackass movie and, and laugh and have a good time yeah. and be disgusted and, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, these guys are like they almost feel like my friends that I grew up with because I've literally been watching these guys for over 20 years. Um, and, uh, Jackass forever was, was, was great. And I mean, it's more Jackass. I I will say this with Bam Margera not being in the film, you know, B's going through some stuff on his own and, uh, and the passing of Ryan Dunn. Mm. Um, I think those guys, the CKY guys in general kind of brought a different tone to some of the stuff that they did in particular. And so their omission from this movie is felt in that sense where there's just a little bit different tone overall, um, almost comes across as maybe like more, wholesome's not the right word because there's nothing wholesome (laughs) about this. No, not even make, you know, like it's just, I don't know. Like it's dark. Yeah, because like everything they did was fucked up, uh, and like out, and like borderline out of line, and often completely out of line. So yeah, I, I understand what you're trying to say. The difference I think was that the CKY guys were best friends since they were in junior yeah. high and elementary, and the Jackass guys were a team that was put together to be stunt guys and by MTV. And so when you take the best friend element out of it, yeah, those lines don't get crossed and blurred quite as much. It's it's more, I guess, professional pranking yeah. and less personal, like you cross the line, but it's okay because I know you type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually listening to a, a different podcast and they were talking about <gasps> Jacques <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, they were talking about the history of, of like Johnny Knoxville and Jackass in general. And I didn't realize Johnny Knoxville... I mean, this makes sense in hindsight, but he was just kind of a dude trying to break into Hollywood yeah. and was help, you know, helped skill, helped film skate videos or something of the sort, and then ended up participating in some stunts and stuff there, and then that eventually led to Jackass. So that kind of stuff's crazy. Uh, 
in in hindsight he's obviously made a name for himself maybe not in the way that he originally expected. <laughs> um there's there's a scene in jackass forever um as as in each jackass movie there's usually something with a bowl and there's a a stunt with a bowl involving johnny knoxville in this one that is just absolutely brutal i don't know how he lived he did have to go to the emergency room after it, but I was actually stopped because he had brain hemorrhage. Uh, oh, fuck! It was that bad. Um, oh, it is brutal. It is brutal. A bowl? A bowl. Oh, a bowl. A bowl. Like, like yeah, a Toro. Like toro. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Like if a lady cow was a boy cow instead and it had angry horns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of them angry horns milk monsters. I got you. Yeah. Why'd you say so? <laughs> On, and there's, Drew. you know, there's there's plenty of pain in this movie. Don't worry. Um, there's Lots a lot of, penis. of a lot of this body fluids. Uh, <laughs> plenty of plenty of body fluids. Uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, so there you go. Also, some new cast members. That's worth noting. There's some new, interesting, some new blood. Um, some younger guys. I don't know if this passing is, the torch. Supposed to be kind of a passing of the torch, maybe it was in some ways. Uh, worth noting, one of the new guys is nicknamed Poopies. They all call him Poopies. <laughs> nice. Um, so yeah, uh, and there's a female cast member that's <gasps> part of the new the new blood. So she definitely has uh, an advantage when it comes to sack tap. But other than that, she, hell yeah. She nice licks added a jackass set. She she licks a taser like a pro. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, yeah, so that's nothing more to say. Jackass Forever. I mean, if you like the Jackass movies, go see it. Um, definitely worth seeing with friends. I was supposed to go see it with a friend earlier this week and it had a conflict. So I, I ended up going after the fact um, on my own. But definitely worth seeing with your buddies if if you're able to, you know, face down the pandemic and, and get to a theater to see it. Yeah. Um, I also watched a movie called Kimmy, and this was just added to HBO Max uh, this past week, I think on Thursday. It is a new Steven Soderbergh movie, which Steven Soderbergh, most known for probably doing the Oceans movies, uh, if you like Oceans 11, 12, and 13. But dude is just putting out like two movies a year that are just going straight to HBO Max these days, and they're all like... They're usually kind of small scale, but they're bangers. Like, I just love watching them. He's this acclaimed filmmaker. A lot of his movies he's doing, he shoots on iPhones now. Like, it's absolutely (laughs) insane. Um, Kimmy's really great. I I, I liked it a lot. It's uh, very contained. It stars Zoe Kravitz. Yeah. And this movie's interesting. I just want to point out that this is one of the first movies I've seen that takes place within the COVID pandemic. And that's part of it. But it's also not like the direct plot. Um, the yeah. she, her you're in it is agoraphobic, so she doesn't like leaving, and the pandemic has just intensified that. But like, has to leave the house and put on masks and things like that, and that's just part of the movie. Yeah, it's um, interesting because we oh good wait close to home. <laughs> I'm good. I might pass that one. See, yeah. uh, because we talked before about how it's weird, you know, how you want to see stuff that reflects life, you know, sometimes, and. We you don't see a lot of movies where like the pandemic just happens to be going on while everything else is. It's either the complete focus of the movie or it's absent altogether, and they pretend like it never happened, uh, which is weird. Uh, so this sounds interesting. 
So, so the actual plot of this movie is that she works for a, a Google-esque company that has um, basically the equivalent of like an Amazon Echo, you know, your Alexa device, except yeah. the device is called Kimmy in the movie. Mm. It's the name of the movie. And she, uh, her her job is, is basically there are people that work for this, whatever the actual company is in the movie that makes Kimmy, um, where if Kimmy has an error like doesn't understand something they have actual human engineers who analyze those errors and fix them um to make sure that you know because they have real people responding to these things they it makes the the device run more efficiently yeah and essentially she overhears while doing her job through one of the kimmy devices uh through her, through through a fix she's trying to make overhears a crime yeah happen. And so it's all about, so it kind of becomes a thriller in that sort of like how she handles it and what she has to do and being pursued. And, um, but all the isolation and stuff kind of plays into that. So it's very interesting. Uh, I can understand Gary for, for your own purposes, maybe wanting to, to avoid it. But otherwise this is like an 89 minute thriller that just kind of flew by and it's pretty solid. So anyway, that's Kimmy. It's on HBO Max streaming now. And that was all I had for movies, but also have a bunch. This is rare for me, but a bunch of TV shows that I've been watching. That is rare for you. But I'll let you guys start with some of your shows and because I'll have to, some stuff to add on to those. But and then I'll talk about the other ones. I've been well, first, I guess, uh, Gary, you want to talk about Vox Machina? Yeah, actually, I didn't know if I was going to watch it before this stream. And I ended up watching, what is it, 7, 8, and 9, the, the three most recent yeah. ones that came out. I just finished them this afternoon. And my my general take on Vox Machina is still that it's like the best Western fantasy show that you could watch if you want something like Lord of the Rings or Dungeons and Dragons adjacent. It's still the best one. Yeah. With that being said, there's a lot of <laughs> junior high sense of humor, dick and fart <laughs> jokes. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of eye-rollingly out of place, like characters just dropping the F-bomb left and right. Uh, and it almost, it, it happened at a table, and it happened during an improv session. It, it's, you almost should have cleaned it up for TV. It's, <laughs> it's, out of, it, it's almost out of place. It doesn't feel right at times. Uh, and I keep, right as I start to get bored with Vox Machina, uh, something cool will happen. There will be some cliffhanger moment in the episode and it seems like every two or three episodes, there's something to like reinstill my faith in that show yeah. and in that cast and in those characters. But uh, I think initially I was I was on board and 100 percent and I'll keep watching the season and I'll probably watch another season. But I, I may not just I'm not as hot on it as I was before. Yeah, you were very hot on it when it first came out, man. You were I'm thinking I'm thinking still in eight C's eight C's out of ten. Uh, it's still good. It's, it's still scary. watchable. That, that's pretty high. Yeah, it is. Uh, I still very much like it. I just want to, I think when I when it came out, uh, I was feeling 9Zs, maybe even 10Zs. Uh, but I'll reel that back now. Uh, it's good. <laughs> it's just not perfect. Yeah. Uh, of course, uh, of course it is. So, so I watched the first three. Uh, I watched them all now. But when I watched the first three, I was like, okay, this is, this is pretty good. Uh, I see why Gary likes it. Um, it was fine. You know, the whole dragon arc. It was it was pretty good. I was not that on board with it. I liked a lot of the character stuff, um, like the character development, 
is cool. I like how uh, Vax. There is a Vex. Which one's the boy? Vax. Vax. Vax is the boy, and Vex is the girl. Yeah, Vax, uh, you know, bonding with the child and uh, all that good stuff. Uh, I don't know. I liked all that stuff. There's a lot of cool character stuff going on. Um, but Vox Machina, after that, in episodes 4, 5, 6, and then 7, 8, 9, uh, with this, like, Briarwood arc thing, uh, which I have found out more about it since... Uh, just so good. Like, when they switched focus like that, and all of a sudden there was, like, this vampire arc, because uh, I, I did not watch, I have not listened to Critical Role, so I, all of this is new to me. Um, when that started happening, I was like, okay, cool, I guess, but then it was awesome. It got really cool really fast. The undead uh, are done very well. Uh, they're very well thought out. When they're fighting the shadows and the keep, that fight oh, is man, out of control. <laughs> Fantastic, man. That was terrifying. That was out of control. Yeah, you felt like fear. Like you were worried. Yeah. Like, I thought they were all going to die. Even though obviously, logically, the show goes on. It's not four or five episodes. Well, and here's another like review. Since you haven't listened to Critical Role, yeah. I, I listened to the first season, and then I I ended up stopping into the first season because after the Briarwood arc, yeah, nothing was quite as good. Yeah. It was still good, but the Briarwood arc was it. That's what and I for hear. For this show to come in and jump straight into the Briarwood arc and not touch a whole lot of the prequel stuff that happened when they were still playing Pathfinder, uh, I thought they were going to start at the beginning of Fox Machina forming and coming together and doing the beginning adventures. But instead, they just jumped straight into where Critical Role started, uh, which I think was a disservice because now we don't get to build two the Briarwood story arc, now it's already here. And now it's yeah. already done. And now we're on to whatever they have next, which I remember not being quite as good. Well, it's not... So we still got a little bit left. Uh, we do have a little bit. I feel like a, another two, maybe even the three next episodes might all be Briarwood. Uh, depending on how they, they kind of pull this out. Yeah, the person supposed to be in this first season. I'm I'm sorry? Uh, how many episodes are supposed to be in the first season? I don't know. Oh, yeah, I also don't know. Since they're dropping oh. three at a time, I wouldn't be surprised if it ended with 12. Um, I was going to say, as a person who's who's just watching the show for the first time or so, uh, by the third episode, Drew, you should you should either be on board or off board. And the, the episodes are only 22 minutes. And so really it's kind of only an, an hour commitment type of thing. And the short runtime, I think, is, is kind of nice, um, especially since they're dropping three a week. It's exactly what I've always been asking for is the hour-long movie. <laughs> it's every week. Here I am at three 22-minute episodes. I, I watched the first episode. I've only had time to watch the first. I actually just watched it today because um, I do plan to get on board with the show. But uh, no, I the first episode i i also have not listened to any critical role no. so i'm not familiar with the storyline um or the characters but i thought they did a good job of establishing them for the most part in the first episode it's a little bit overwhelming at first but uh, you know by the end of the first i kind of had a gist of who you know the roles that each one of them kind of plays uh to, for me as somebody who's not familiar with it grog the, the <laughs> See a, a barbarian, the giant barbarian. Yeah, he's a giant goliath. Barbarian. Um, goliath barbarian. That's exactly right. It's pretty pretty memorable for for me, um, but I'm interested to learn more. You know, he's like the big most, probably the the most caricature caricature 
esque yeah. of them, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I'm interested to learn more about the others. I enjoy. I thought the action was well done uh, for an animated show, and you know had some good comedy. Yeah, I thought it was good. As somebody that's not like a, yeah. a huge critical role stan, you know, I thought it was fine, and I'll probably watch more of it. So. Yeah, so my thought, so it is, it's going to be 12, it's going to be 12 episodes confirmed, um, so the next three that release on the 18th will be it, uh, and I feel like it's probably just going to be the Briarwood stuff if that's the case, because, you know, why would you, you know, start a new thing, but, um. Yeah, so they'll do Briarwood, and then they'll end on a cliffhanger for what season two will be, which I think is them dealing with some sort of giants, uh, and it, they eventually get onto a, another arc of uh, finishing off dragons. Like the the dragons have a whole, uh, what are yeah. they called? They're like the fleet, the fleet of something. And so they've they've got more material for another two seasons. But then at that point, the actual actors they don't play Vox Machina anymore. They start playing a new group of characters. Yeah. And so if Amazon keeps them around that long, I think that could be three years down the line. I'm curious to see how their viewership holds up. Yeah. Uh, once they're out of their like subject material, it'll be interesting to see if they like continue with more original story, uh, or if they will pivot to these new characters or if they'll end it. Uh, but no, I, I really like everything they're doing so far. Uh, the Briarwood whole thing is pretty cool uh i don't i'm not bothered uh by the like the silly uh, like almost improvisational like feel and like the the out of place stuff Uh, it doesn't really bother me i feel like i don't know man it's like you're watching almost live dnd but like cleaned up a bit and i really like it and then no. some of it, I think, could be... And it's their first season, you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe they will polish it a bit. Maybe I'm being a bit too harsh on them. Maybe. But, uh, yeah, I think they could polish it a bit. That's all I'm saying. I would agree with you, though, probably 8 out of 10, I would say. Uh, definitely a fan. Uh, definitely certified fresh. Definitely watch it. Uh, I want to note something else really quick, because um, obviously, you know, fresh out the box... Yeah. was started out of a love for tabletop RPGs and that's yeah. kind of the the y'all's brand. That's what and we do, yeah. Obviously this is a show based off of a, a TTRPG, yes. Machina, um based off critical roles stuff and uh, but worth noting from just from my senses and feelers I have out there in the critic community, it seems like this has been pretty well reviewed. Vox Machina has in yeah. general. Um by by non TTRPG fans, and which and is interesting, TTRPG yeah, fans alike. So that yeah, worth noting. But I did see an interesting article, I believe that was on Variety, that was just saying that, um, you know, the reviews rivaling each other are are between Netflix and Arcane, and mm. this as kind of like competing shows in a sense. I don't know. I just thought that was worth bringing up because I knew that was a show that you watched. Jahan and Gary, I believe you watched too. Do y'all have a preference so, so far between this and Arcane? <laughs> Gary's is obviously Vox Machina. Gary didn't like Arcane. Vox Machina would all over Arcane. It's, it's uh, not even and That's so, not even a consideration. So I think that, I mean, they're very different. One of them is almost a comedy uh it does have serious subject matter and the story itself in vox machina is amazing uh arcane arcane takes itself a lot more serious arcane is a much more dramatic uh character driven kind of thing 
And okay. I think it's fantastic. I think it is a fantastic show. And it might be better than Vox Machina. But um, as far as entertainment, no. as far as like something you can sit there and watch, I don't know, Vox Machina is kind of like drugs. Like, it's just... It's kind of like it, it, it makes Arcane your brain like happy. Five out of ten, man. Arcane is five out of ten. Vox Machina is an eight out of ten. Arcane could take a fucking backseat in my face. I would disagree. I, I give them both an eight or nine. Uh, for Correction, sure. I think I said variety, and it was actually Forbes. They said Amazon's The Legend of Vox Machina review scores are rivaling Netflix's Arcane. So it kind yeah. of just based on review scores is what pitted them against each other. So I thought that was just interesting. And the what other thing, the other thing worth mentioning here is longevity. I feel like uh, Arcane has really just started. I feel like they're so early in the story; they have plenty of runway. I feel, like Gary was saying, Vox Machina might not have as much yeah, runway. And I do think Vox Machina will stall out. Uh, I really, I think it will. I don't think it may. I no. think Vox Machina will stall out. I think Critical Role as a as a brand name on Amazon will stall out unless they start doing some live action type of stuff. Um, but if they just stick with what they've got right now, I don't think that's going to work for them. Interesting take for sure. Uh, I might agree with you honestly, uh, and we we disagree a lot. But uh, you don't. I I feel like that might be true. Uh, I really like Vox. Yeah, Machina. man. Critical Role is hot fire right now. Yes, and it's going to be hot fire for now. But I don't think it has that kind of staying, staying power, power yeah. that League of Legends does. No, uh, it, it is the biggest tabletop role-playing stream in the world, and that there will ever be in the world. Probably, yeah. They <laughs> they won. They did it. They're the Beatles of the tabletop role-playing world. <laughs> Damn, that's that's saying a lot. There, you're not wrong. Uh, yeah, we were talking before the stream about Matt Mercer and how people hate on him because he did the thing that we all want to fucking do and everyone's just hating on him for no reason. Matt Mercer is a good writer, a good actor and, uh, seemingly a cool guy. Yeah. He's, he, he, I I like Matt Mercer as a person, uh, I think. And it's just, I don't know. Uh, People that hate on him, whatever, you know, you could hate on him. I wonder what, uh, the legend of Vox Machina has done for, uh, Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition sales. I wonder what it's done for Pathfinder 3.5 sales, and I wonder what it has done for Matt Mercer's supplement that he wrote for Wizards of the Coast. Uh, I'd like to see those numbers in like a a month or two and see how much those sales have blown up. I have a cool guy outside, so I had to mute my mic. Yeah, Tal Dory uh, is the setting that he wrote uh, for, uh, which I don't believe is actually officially licensed. Uh, That's correct. Yeah, we actually wrote it for Cobalt Press, I think. Yeah, Cobalt Press is dope. Um, but yeah, shout out to Cobalt Press. Shout out to Matt Mercer. All this stuff is cool, uh, and I'm excited to see a TTRPG television show doing well. Uh, the only other one that I could think of is The Expanse, which I bet you didn't know is also based on a t- tabletop role play game. Uh, not the other way I around. Yeah. I knew because I'm friends with y'all. Uh, <laughs> um, I want to pivot a little bit yeah. just because it's going to be really we have so much stuff that it, it'd be easy for us to border on two hours for this show <laughs> i just don't want to do it um let's briefly and i mean briefly talk peacemaker just because the finale is going to be coming up yeah next week, and we'll be recording next weekend so i want to you know we can talk more about the finale but just briefly you know are y'all still high on peacemaker where are we at 
So this most recent episode of Peacemaker had a bunch of uh, seizing and dead kid type of stuff. So it wasn't my favorite episode of the bunch. Uh, I did get to see a bunch of clan guys get their ass kicked, which was nice. Yeah. Um, always, I'm always down for seeing the Ku Klux Klan get their ass whooped. I'll watch it every day. Um, I, I still like Peacemaker. I'm still going to watch more Peacemaker. Vigilante is my favorite uh, superhero this year. Uh, but there's a long year to go. <laughs> Vigilante is everything I ever needed uh, in a show. Vigilante is hilarious. But yeah, briefly, uh, I loved it. It was a great episode. Uh, I, you know, obviously, I don't have the same triggers as Gary, uh, and you know, I'm sorry that that happened. That's unfortunate. Um, but I also White Dragon was fucking crazy. Um, I actually read more about his lore and stuff. Uh, what a piece of shit. Uh, but I wasn't expecting an Iron Man like style thing going on there. I was not expecting that. Um, and watching, like Gary said, watching the clan get its ass whooped is always a fucking privilege. Uh, yeah. Economos had another fantastic, yes. Uh, loved Economos' moment to shine. Uh, Economos is a great supporting character. He's so, so funny. He's so um, good. It was always like, you know, in those Suicide Squad movies, you just wanted to see him do a little bit more because he just had that right personality. He was just an intriguing character. Uh, and they've done perfect. They, they've done exactly what I wanted them to do with him. I also, um, yeah, that moment with Economos, uh, I was laughing really hard because, like, of course, of course he did. You know what I mean? Of course he did. I'll just say this is one other thing about Peacemaker is that when the show first started, you know, obviously you're kind of in it for john cena and his character yeah. and knowing who he was from the suicide squad but um when they first introduced kind of the rest of his team that would be working with him in the show including you know harcourt and and uh economos like you said i uh i was kind of like eh, i don't know if any of these are gonna be really my jam and i will say this now that we're seven episodes in is that i like the team like i feel like they've done a good job of building up all those characters we're like even Harcourt, especially, is is probably one that she's grown on me a lot. Economos has some good, funny moments. I don't know. I just feel like um, that's been built pretty well. I this- agree. When they introduce those characters, I count myself wondering, like, am I going to remember their names? Uh, do they even matter? And yes, they do. It's an ensemble show. It's Vigilante. It's Harcourt. It's Adebayo. It's Economos. It's Mern. Uh, and then it's also Peacemaker. You know, he's... They are. It is a real ensemble show. You're right. It really did. Yeah. Every became, every character. Um, yeah. You yeah. You summed it up perfectly. It's an ensemble show, and so I think that that has been uh, has made it all the more enjoyable to watch. That there are other characters that I look forward to seeing in their progression. Um. So yeah. <laughs> so I've had fun with Peacemaker. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, the only other two things I would say. Uh, the fight with uh, uh, you know, the kung fu fight between hardcore. And the other guy, fantastic. Judo master. And then, uh, yeah, Judo Master. And then I also, because of the show, I went and picked up a comic, uh, which I don't do often because I'm poor. But uh, I picked up a, a new run. There's a new run of Peacemaker, episode one. Uh, and it was fucked up and dark. Like, it was like, it was like Punisher level fucked up. But then it was also somehow, like, darker. Like, Batman dark. And was it in any way hilarious or just super? It twisted? was in zero way hilarious. There was no comedy. 
It was okay. There's no comedy at all. There was not a single joke in that book. Uh, I just got comedy out of you telling us that it would that there was no comedy. So. <laughs> there you go, some comedy. Yeah, from me talking about it, but yeah, no actual comedy. I liked it. I liked what I read. I would I would continue to read that. I was interested. Makes sense that they'd be coming out with a new Peacemaker run it does. based on the Suicide Squad and the show. Kind of, that's usually what Marvel does if they're doing their movies and bringing in a character that's maybe like a forgotten character. They yeah. usually start a new line and boost its popularity. And uh, makes sense that they'd be doing that with Peacemaker. So I kind of make me interested. I might have to go pick up the first. If there a first graphic novel out, or is it individual issues? It's individual issue. There's no trade back yet. Uh, but yeah, I picked up that. I picked up. Uh, the new Daredevil Electra woman uh, without fear run. That shit's cool. Uh, Electra kind of picks up the mantle of Daredevil. Check it out. Uh, the Kingpin is like in charge of the city and he's like leading a new team of Thunderbolts uh, at, on an anti like vigilante task force to like outlaw superheroes. It's fucking cool, That's man. It, on paper. Sick, uh, and like I read the first one, it was awesome. Uh, and then I got two. I got the the Spawn Gunslinger, and then I think like Lady Spawn Gunslinger comics. Uh, but yeah, that was all I got in comics this week. So, all right. Um, well, I'll talk about a couple other shows that I'm that are probably going to be ongoing discussions for me because I keep as I keep watching these. So first off, I'm all caught up. I've watched the first four episodes that are available of. Pam and Tommy. Are y'all familiar with this series? Familiar, haven't I watched it. it. Yeah, I know what it is. I also haven't watched it. Yeah, so this is, uh, for those, for anybody who maybe doesn't know, this is a series that's a Hulu original, so it's streaming on Hulu, and it is the story of Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee's sex tape, and how it was obtained and then sold. And so, uh, Sebastian Stan plays Tommy Lee, and <laughs> Uh, Lily James, who is an actress that I actually really like, uh, plays Pamela Anderson. And Seth Rogen is also in the show. Um, he plays a contractor who is basically screwed over by Tommy Lee and takes revenge by stealing his safe and is the one who ends up obtaining the sex tape. And, uh, and Nick Offerman plays just a grotesque porn producer. Um, who works with Seth Rogen to help distribute <laughs> the tape um, through the internet, which was a very new phenomenon at that time. Yeah. Things could be traced back to people. And uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll say this. I, I obviously I've watched four episodes, so there has to be something decent about it for me to have watched that many. Um, but this is for sure a show that would be, have been much better as a movie. Um, mm. That it could have been condensed and made into a two-hour movie and been pretty solid because the first few episodes of this show were really kind of stretched out to me because um, they're full hour, you know, almost full hour episodes. Yeah. The most recent episode was only forty-one minutes and it ran a lot smoother to me than um, than the first three did. So I'll say that much. But it's but it's interesting, you know, because you have to get the whole backstory of the carpenter and then you get the, all the backstory of. <laughs> Of Pamela Anderson and how Tommy Lee met, and then you get, you know, the sex tape being sold, and it kind of gets into that. Um, so yeah, but the performances are really good. Um, Sebastian Stan is just a lunatic as Tommy Lee. <laughs> uh, 
Um, Lily James is is really great as Pamela Anderson. Seth Rogen is being Seth Rogen. Um, you know, not much to say there. And Nick Offerman is it's pretty funny seeing him in this this kind of role. Um, but the show definitely tries to put you tries to make you sympathize with Pamela Anderson in particular. Yeah. As part of this, as as the woman who's basically being you know, put out there as part yeah. of this. And, and, and so um, that's kind of an interesting thing part of, as, as part of the show that she's, you know, the, the one that you sympathize with, but uh, it's, it's good. I'm, I'm I'll, I'll keep watching it for the performances. I'll say this, cause this is a, a much talked about um, uh, thing from one of the episodes that was just very fascinating. There's a scene uh, so I guess kind of spoiler for the second episode of the show. There's a scene where Tommy Lee has a conversation with his own penis. Uh, <laughs> does it talk back? It does. <laughs> and his penis is know who it's voiced by. Yeah, I was about to say who's it voiced by. <laughs> penis is you voiced by. Guess, Jahan. Hold on. Let's see if Jahan can guess. I got. We can I get got. With three guesses. Gilbert Godfrey. No. No. But. I hey, I'm your penis here. Um, might be able to get it, John. I really ooh, have faith in you. Mm, the original Tommy Lee. No, oh, that's that would be guess. funny though. Um, mm, one more guess. All right. Um, shit, I'm not good at this. Um, <laughs> Robert Downey <Anyway>. Jr. <laughs> <laughs> I even know you know him. It's Jason Mansukis. Jason uh, Mansukis. I would have never guessed that. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's the 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 horny or the the puberty monster. Oh my god, Disney. that's hilarious. Yeah, he's also Rolfy from the league. He you know, he always plays an insane person, uh, and so his oh, voice is mm. insane. Mm-hmm. So him voicing that penis to me is that's great. He based the man too because he's a crazy person. Uh, but no, he's one of the kids in uh, Big Mouth. Mm-hmm. Hormone mm-hmm. monsters actually uh, fucking crawl. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, yeah. Pam and Tommy, it's good. It's fine. Um, but definitely, maybe would have lent itself to being a movie more. Uh, but yeah. But anyway, it's it's. I'll I'll keep watching it. So I'll put it that way. Were you so uh that- were you a Pam Anderson stan when you were younger? Was she anything no, for you? I mean, Do you have run. I mean, wall? the Baywatch era. You know, I was I was pretty young. You know, this is all taking place when I would have been about six years old. So <laughs> I, can't say that I was, you know, buying the Pamela Anderson tape back then or anything like that. So. Yeah, yeah. But after the internet, man, like stuff was there. I don't know, man. Like, Motley yeah. Crew wasn't really a thing. At the t- I mean, it was a thing, but it was not where it had been no. previously. So, um. It's it's definitely a very interesting '90s show. Yeah, I'll put it that way too. Uh, just with the technology and the the internet and the way that it's all shown, that's that's kind of an interesting part of it, also. Now, Pam Anderson. Yeah, some of my first Playboys uh, was was that. So. You Chef know, that's I never am. been my. Uh, that's not my type of girl. I don't like a I don't like a big plastic Barbie, uh, blonde hair, blue eyes. That's not my vibe. Eh, I I I can go for lots of different types, but you know. Look, that's that's good, John. That's good that you're always open and accepting. Okay, 
Okay, I don't want to learn this much about you guys as part of this podcast. Oh, I'm gonna oh, move I can on. I go on, Andrew. I go on. Right. I I just want to talk briefly about Reacher. Um, have either of y'all heard of Reacher? It's a good or familiar segue. With Reacher? Uh, yeah, so I keep looking at the at Reacher, and I keep wondering if I want to click go or not. Uh, the last time I watched like a, a war type of show thing. Uh, was that one with uh, the guy from The Office, who I really like, Krasinski, John Krasinski. Yeah. Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan. I watched Jack Ryan, and there were a whole lot of, like, dead kid flashbacks. Yeah. <laughs> and there were silhouettes on the ground, and I was like, okay. So I haven't got into Reacher yet, because I want more people to watch it and tell me that, it, that I'm in the clear on this one. That's fair. They should put a warning on that kind of thing. Uh, I would like to point out that, as you know, I put up graphics for the people watching, uh, and I typed in Reacher, and I have the picture up there. And a lot of them are pictures from the show, but there's also a bunch of pictures of, like, grabbing devices for elderly people. <laughs> Which is just really funny. Uh... So, so the thing I'll say about Reacher is that they made a, a film franchise of Jack Reacher. There, there were two movies that starred Tom Cruise um, that came out. You know, a few years ago, and the first one of those I actually liked a fair amount. Um, mm. The second one was not so good, but I was not familiar with the Jack Reacher books prior to those movies. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't really familiar with the character, and actually, it was it was Thomas Gary's brother who I sat down with. I think after seeing the first Jack Reacher, and he said, "You know, but that's that's Tom Cruise isn't Jack Reacher. That in the books, Jack Reacher is a like a giant behemoth of a man who's." tall and ripped and and blonde and and just very imposing and large and that and that's just not tom cruise and uh and let's i'll just say this still as someone who hasn't read the books just yeah. knowing that the show definitely seems to to follow the books and this the, the actor that's a that's big dude this, man he is gigantic he is he is handsome and boy is he got all the muscles and uh yeah, it's, I mean, it's, he's like a former army everything who just, he's, he's the type who's a master of observation, so he can tell if you're lying or, or can tell things about you just by, by observing you. And he's, he kind of shows up in a, in a small town, is wrongly accused of murder, and, murder. Uh, and ends up helping, helping the police with their investigation. And he ends up in a lot of fist fights and brawls as part of it, and just, ruins a lot of people's days and so that's kind of fun to see but it um, seems like that could be a lot of fun i kind of like the sound of this yeah so the so i'm trying to think if there's anything like triggering i will say this when he gets into some of these fights like some of them are, are pretty violent there's a prison fight where he you know essentially gouges a dude's <laughs> eye out with his thumb almost so it's just like that kind of yeah. stuff you know just very i love savage action so Sav yeah, yeah so Savage violence, action, violence, I think is there's a there's a pretty fine line for me where it's like, you know, dead bodies and hanging bodies is one thing. But like action sequences is totally different. I'm yeah. all for watching a guy get hit in the face with like a cue ball and spit out his teeth like gum, like little gum pellets. That's super funny. That's <laughs> not like triggering. That's hilarious. Uh, but I'm sure for some people it's triggering. It's just where where I sit on the spectrum. Uh, this sounds like I'm in based on what you've said, Drew. Sounds great. Yeah. I actually might be in too here. And when it first started, <laughs> not not to, you know, 
this might sound bad, but the, the way the show looks, and I don't know if this is how a lot of Prime shows are uh, on Amazon Prime. I didn't think this about Wheel of Time, but it has this kind of glossy sheen to it that almost looks, my wife actually said this, like it looks Hallmark movie-esque when it starts, like just the way it looks. And it made me, I, it made me think like, is this going to be, you know, very family friendly. And then the first time he gets into a fight and it becomes very violent and, and bloody at times, I was like, okay, no, it's just, it has that, that kind of sheen to it, but that doesn't reflect on the actual content. If that makes sense. So anyway, so that's Reacher. I've watched the first two episodes. All eight are available on Amazon prime. And I do plan to continue watching more of them. And yeah, that no, is- that's that's super cool, man. Uh, I might actually check that one out. Yeah, that sounds. I like action. I I don't have enough actiony shows right now. Uh, but yeah, does that bring us on to our next thing? Yeah, we can talk. Uh, that's it for me. TV shows, and I think we have a couple video game notes, and then we can wrap it up. Yeah, I guess video game notes here. Uh, I guess we'll start it off. Uh, just highlighting uh, Game Pass. They're at it again. They added a bunch of games. Uh. So they added Edge of Eternity, action role-playing game. They added Skull, which is an action-adventure uh, platformer in where you're a skeleton versus, like, the human guards, which is pretty cool. I, that's actually one that's been on my list, uh, so I'm excited to check that one out. Last Kids on Earth, eh, I don't think that's going to be any good. And then they have, like, some game preview stuff, Battlefield. Not the strongest lineup, uh, but as time goes on, we get closer and closer to uh, Warhammer Total War. I'm still excited. I want to check out Edge of Eternity just because the more JRPGs on Xbox I can support, I will because I want even more of them to come to the console. Yeah, sure. Yeah, they they could they could do with more of those. Um, I like I said. I mean, as long as there's one game I'm interested in, I'll be pretty happy. And Skull is that game I I definitely want to play. And there's still stuff on the backlog sitting there. It's not like these games go away after a week. You know what I mean? Uh, I've just been busy with Days Gone. That's what I've been playing lately. Uh, and I finally had a really cool moment that I've been looking forward to. I ran into a horde of zombies, like a big horde, right? Uh, first off, I killed a horde. That was fun. But then I ran into another one on my way to take care of, like, a bad guy camp. And I was like, huh, finally. And so I led this horde into this bad guy camp and just let them eat everybody. And it was awesome. It was everything I ever wanted. Uh... So I wanted to give you that update. I think the last po- uh, the last news I have uh, about video games is the Nintendo Direct that just came out. Uh, I don't know if you caught that. A lot of I didn't watch it, but I know I saw a lot of announcements came from it, and it was one that I didn't even know they were having a direct, and then all of a sudden there Me was just a ton of Nintendo news that was out there. Yeah, watch the whole thing. Um, a lot of cool stuff like um, Mario Kart Eight. Getting a huge expansion pass, 48 new maps uh, that will be released, um, I believe, eight at a time in six waves between now and 2023. Um, Saw pretty much, I think they said that almost every Mario Kart map that's ever existed from any Mario Kart game is going to be in this game. They're remastering 48 maps from past games, including Chocolate Mountain. Which that just makes me think, are they just going to make Mario Kart 8 the definitive Mario Kart and just keep adding new stuff to it and almost have it Maybe. be like a live service, you know, Mario Kart game? Yeah. 
I've been I've been asking for specifically new uh more maps on it and specifically like more callback maps. I actually wanted old maps to come back. Uh, so this is great news for me. The cool the interesting thing cuz this answers a question that I have had for a long time now. When they came out with that new service that they do, the upgraded monthly uh, expansion pass stuff, where you get access to, in addition to Super Nintendo NES uh, console stuff, you get the N64 and Sega Genesis. You also got access to the expansion to Animal Crossing. Uh, And I was like, okay, that's cool. Are they going to release more expansions this way for free with the service? This expansion will be included with that service. So it seems that if you have the expansion pass, you're going to get free expansions. Uh, And if you're doing the family pack, uh, which can go to up to eight people for like, I think, 80 bucks a year uh, for eight people. um, It's 10 bucks a person. (laughs) You know what I mean? This expansion costs $25. You're making money almost. I don't know. It's a pretty decent deal when you look at it that way. Um, I was excited. I was happy to know that the expansion pass is actually not a ripoff. Um, The other things that really stood out to me, Kirby. We got a better look at Kirby. Um, A lot of cool new powers he has. Because, you know, he sucks stuff up and he gains their powers, right? That's what he does. Uh, He has this new thing called stick in your mouth. Where, like, he can't eat it because, like, it's a car or, like, it's a, a giant cone or something. And it, he, like, kind of, like, grows around it and it gives him new powers. Like, when you're the car, obviously, you can drive around. When you eat the cone, you can, like, smash down and break, like, stuff open uh, that you couldn't previously do. It looks really fun. Um, but some of... The Kirby car yeah. has been quite the Twitter sensation. <laughs> yeah, that's Kirby fair. Kirby car memes. Yeah, the Kirby car is great. I love it. Um, it's hilarious because like it's just like he's just mouth is on top of it. It's fantastic. Um, were any of these big things for you? Because I was really excited for a few more uh, Mario Strikers. There's uh, stuff I'm excited for. Like I, I, you know, Mario Strikers. I think it's cool that they're going back to that bring, or bringing it back. Because um, I know I had a lot of friends that really liked. I it. really liked it. Yeah. Uh, I was excited for Chrono Cross coming out interesting okay i was wondering uh where those people were uh and it's and you're gonna be on it. xbox too so i think that's worth noting cool chrono cross yeah coming to uh being re-released on uh switch and i think it's also they said something about some other like older game version of it that was like text based or something i don't know i'm not sure don't quote me on that but yeah no, that was another uh cool one and then what's the game Man, my brother-in-law is really excited for it. Um, it's JRPG with Max Triangle Strategy. No, Triangle Strategy. I'm excited for hugely. Um, that that game, uh, it looks really cool. I played the demo; it was pretty fun. But now that I'm seeing all this like updated stuff, because uh, I played it before it even had a title. I played it before it, like maybe yeah. Xenoblade. Xenoblade. Chronicles? Xenoblade. Yeah. Uh, getting a third game. Uh, looks really good. I know a lot of people are going to be excited for that. Mario Strikers is pretty exciting for me. It looks really fun. And then I'm excited. I know Gary hates remasters, but I don't give a fuck. Advanced Wars 1 and 2 coming out in a, like, a, as one game. Uh, remastered. All the characters are now fully voiced where they weren't before. Um, I love Advanced Wars. I don't know if you do. Uh, the... 
the um, the void of Advanced Wars is kind of filled right now by a game called Wargroove, which has been immensely popular. And I'm interested to see uh, the people that maybe started on Wargroove picking up the game that started me off uh, from friggin' Game Boy Advance, Advance Wars uh, 1 and 2. Fantastic strategy games. And I think that, that was most of what I was excited for from this particular Direct. For I'm sure. also excited that they're bringing uh, Earthbound to the <gasps> NES. How did I forget about that? It's out right now. You can play it right now on the Switch. Uh, oh. Yeah, you can play it on the Super Nintendo service if you have the online service. And then you can also play, apparently they have an NES version, which I did not know uh, that you could play on the NES. Yeah, Mother. I think Earthbound was actually the third Mother game. I think it's Mother 3, but and, uh, but here it was called Earthbound. So. Uh, if, if I might be wrong, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty I might sure. go play Earthbound after this. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm excited about that. I'll uh, I'll note one more Nintendo thing. I've been playing a lot of Pokemon Arceus. Uh, yeah, how do you here. like it? I was gonna buy it uh, like yesterday, but I had a paycheck issue. Uh, how how is it? I like it a lot. Okay. Um, it's without getting to I'm, I'm maybe about 15 or 15 or 16 hours in no um i love the open world mechanics of how you can just catch pokemon without engaging in battle with them you can sneak around them or you can randomly battle with them uh but it's all open world in real time like just walk up and throw a pokeball or throw a berry at it which then, i really or, like yeah or or deploy your own pokemon to fight it and there's a lot of cool for me as somebody who likes checklists and games. I've talked about that a lot before. A lot, you know, the whole goal is you're getting new Pokemon for the Pokedex, but you're trying to create the first Pokedex entry ever for these Pokemon. So you have to do a bunch of things regarding one Pokemon to make its entry complete. So it kind of helps to change up like what Pokemon you have in your party and yeah. using different ones. Like, for example, if you use a certain move with the Pokemon 10 times, you'll get more points towards completing its entry. So things like that, I really like. Um, and what this, for me, it really seems like this, Arceus was almost like a testing ground for these new mechanics. Yeah. And that makes that a lot of sense. That they could then eventually implement these into a more traditional Pokemon game, which yeah. I think is what I really am craving from this. It's like, this is cool, but all it does is it make me want the traditional Pokemon game moving from town to town, getting your badges. Yeah. But with these it's, mechanics. It's so it's almost upsetting. It's almost upsetting to me how we as a generation crave that specific experience and we don't like to deviate from it. It's weird. It's like we're fucking like we might be fucking brainwashed, man. It's so weird. Cause it's a universal like millennial thing. We all fucking love Pokemon, man. And if you don't, you're weird. Uh I don't know. It's it's just uh, I want my badges too, man. But yeah, I'll uh, I'll continue playing Arceus. I'm I am digging it so far, and I got kind of nervous when I was looking at the reviews. I'm like, is this gonna get boring for me? Like, am I gonna get tired of this? But I can, as of right now, almost 20 hours in, I can say no that I'm still enjoying it and having fun grinding different areas and finding new Pokemon. And there's a lot of little side quests you can do. Um, back in the main town, but there's only one town so far. You know, there's one main hub town, and then I think there's about five or so areas, like open world areas, you can go to. 
So uh, that's kind of the gist. So you go back to your main town in between um, adventures. But yeah, so I'm enjoying Pokemon Arceus, and I Good. will continue playing. I'm very and excited to check it out. That That's it for me this week. It was yeah. a lot of stuff we went through. Yeah, that's yeah. We we cover a lot of ground uh, this week. It was a great show. I'm glad we got to talk about. All, I've been dying to talk about half of that stuff. So it was good to finally do it. Uh, but yeah, that's all for me as well. I am Jahanan at Rockfact on Twitter, the game master extraordinaire and board game guru. And I am Drew Munhausen at Drew Munhausen on Twitter. And uh, make sure to follow the Fresh Out the Box Twitter account. Make sure to follow yeah. them on Twitch. Make sure to watch all their different shows. Um, also, Gary did dis- disconnect, unfortunately, earlier. But I think you can find him at Casualty CDG on, on Twitter. Twitter yes. It's his handle. But otherwise, thank you for listening to episode 32 of Fresh Out the Podcast. Stay fresh, y'all.